It is very true uh, that we worship a God who is always faithful, and so um, very grateful for His faithfulness uh, to us. Grateful that uh, while I was away, uh, there were faithful men who were here to proclaim to you God's grace and His goodness towards them. Been in this series uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, um, which we've called Life Under the Sun, as the author of Ecclesiastes looks at much of what it, what it is like to experience life here under the sun. And so, thankfully, uh, we had two men in our church who were willing to come before you and speak about ways in which God has been faithful to them throughout their life under the sun. And so, thank you, Bob and Dewey, both for doing that over the last couple of weeks. If you missed out the last couple of weeks, I noticed that there weren't uh, as many people here as normal. And so, if you missed out on that, uh, those are posted along under sermons. Uh, we post sermons every week on our website so you can listen. So I got to listen in on both of those, even in being away. And so ifefree.org is our website. Go ahead and check those out. Today we are continuing our series. Uh, we're almost done. Uh, we're going to get a little bit into the final chapter. And then next week we're just going to look at the final verses of this book of Ecclesiastes. The title of today's message is Being Young and getting old. Um, and so, uh, it is kind of funny, isn't it, that they called Mark an elderly person? Uh, I got a kick out of that when they would do that. Um, and I'm thinking I might just start to call all the elders in the church elderly persons rather than elders. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, um, some of us feel very young. And we are quite young. Some of you today might feel very old. And maybe you would say, yes, I am quite old. Uh, I, I typically get confused for um, being younger than I actually am, right? Um, so, so I remember when we moved to town here, um, when we first moved to town, uh, we rented a house for the first three months. This is uh, three and a half years ago now uh, that we moved to town. And, and we rented a house for the first three months. And one of our neighbors, this is what I look like when we moved to town. Um, here, there we go. Um, so, so I was just like this young pastor, you know, and I had been doing some things outside, and then I was, I think, away probably at the office or something like that. And uh, one of our new neighbors came over to introduce herself and their family to Kirsten. And so came over and, and said, hey, uh, welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, and she says to Kirsten, I see that you have a teenage son, uh, and, um, it, which, you know, might, might not be the kindest thing to say to Kirsten or might just be a, a compliment to me. I'm not sure which it was. But she had seen me outside and assumed that I was Kirsten's teenage son. And so some of us look young, some of us feel young, and some of us maybe not so much. We're more looking older and feeling older all the time. I look at that and like, yeah, I look older than that now. And so it doesn't take long. Over a period of time, you start to look a little bit older. You start to feel a little bit older. So today, that's what we're looking at. Um, we, we often kind of laugh about getting old. I looked up some of those, like, you know you're getting older when things. And so here's a couple. You know you're getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Uh, you know you're getting old when you fall down and you wonder what else you can do while you're down there. You know you're getting old when you have too much room in the house and not enough room in the medicine cabinet. You know you're getting old when you enjoy hearing about other people's surgeries. You know you're getting old when people call you at 9 p.m. and ask, did I wake you? 
Uh, and you know you're getting old when your ears are hairier than your head. Okay? So some other signs you might put in that category of things that help you to know that, hey, you know what, I think I'm kind of getting old now. Part of the reason that we make jokes about stuff like that is we sometimes laugh about stuff that we don't know what else to do with, right? Because in reality, getting old is kind of tough. Um, so today we're going to look at this big question, the, the question that this, this passage in Ecclesiastes forces us to wrestle with is this question. That is, what do the realities of aging and death teach us about life? So we're going to look through chapter 11, which is the shortest chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes, along with a few verses in chapter 12, and then we're going to skip ahead to a couple of verses in the New Testament as well. In your bulletin, there is an outline uh, that might be helpful for you as we go through the sermon this morning to take some notes on. Also, Put on the back there, I put some work into making an application guide each week so that we can on our own, with others or with our children, if we're parents, work through a passage of Scripture and see how it might apply to us. So, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 7 today. If you're able to, would you please stand as we read God's Word together. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us your Word. I'm very grateful because I know that in and of myself, being a young uh, person with limited life experience, uh, certainly with, with limited wisdom, that I don't have what the people that are sitting and standing in front of me right now need. But I'm so grateful that you know what they need and that you know that the thing we need the most is we need to know you. Uh, and so you have revealed yourself to us in written word. And so I pray that your spirit would be at work uh, through my mind and in my words and in our hearts and our minds, that as we receive your word, that your spirit would be pleased to do the work that needs to be done in our lives. For those that need encouragement today, I pray that encouragement will come. For those that need correction today, I pray that correction will come. May you do that work for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read the word of God from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain 
in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dim and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. You can be seated. So you'll see in that outline in your bulletin that the first point today is this. You don't know the future. See that in the first six verses. This is real, right? The book of Ecclesiastes is very realistic, very honest. And it's telling us something that we already know. That we don't know the future. Verses 1 through 4 are really just general proverbs that let us know that, that life is unpredictable. And sometimes what happens when we are, are, are thinking about the unpredictability of life, like we don't know what's coming next, sometimes what can then happen in us is that we get paralyzed. We're not sure what we should do because we don't know what will happen, so we almost do nothing sometimes, right? And so the general wisdom and counsel we get in verses 1 through 4 is, you don't know what's going to happen, but just keep doing stuff. Of course you don't know what's going to happen, but just keep doing stuff, right? Cast bread, give portions, plant seeds, harvest the crop, just keep doing it. Of course you don't know what's going to happen. Verse 3 probably would have been a good one to look at last week. I heard that Saturday night before the worship service on Sunday morning, trees were falling. Verse 3 says, if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie, right? We, we don't know. We, we maybe got uh, some alert that a storm is coming, but we didn't know which trees would fall and where they were going to fall, if they were going to fall on your house, if they were going to fall in your yard. We don't know. Lots of stuff, right? We know maybe more. We can predict things more than he could have at the time that he wrote this, but there's still so many things that we don't know. That's just reality. We don't know the future. Now, verses 5 and 6 get a little more specific. Here's some more stuff we don't know. Beginning of verse 5 says this, As you do not know the way that the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. Right? Isn't that somewhat of a mystery? An incredibly wonderful mystery that, that God who is at work in the womb of of a mother creating this tiny little baby. At some point, we, we look forward to the birth. Uh, Kathy and Ray got to become grandparents again uh, this past week as their little uh, Hannah Grace was born, right? Uh, but prior to that, it's not that she became a human on the day that she was born. The entire time that that little baby was growing in its mother's womb, uh, mystery to us to some degree, like because of ultrasound, now we know a lot more of what's going on physically. But at some point, there is there is this infusion of a solar spirit that, that, that this little one is made in the image of God from inside its mother's womb, right? And so, so there's a mystery as to how exactly all that works. And some people seek to capitalize on that mystery by saying, well, it's all confusing and maybe life doesn't actually begin until this point. And so they can then define uh, that baby's life 
as, as just a, a mass of cells or a blob of tissue, and that allows them in our country, which is horrific, to, to kill and discard um, that, that human life, right? But we who worship Jesus and trust the authority of God's Word, we don't understand everything, but we can stand amazed that even inside the womb of a mother, there is a baby being formed, not just with a body, but also with a soul that's of great value to God. It's a mystery that causes us to stand in awe. It also says in the rest of verse 5, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. I, I don't get science stuff very well. When I learn stuff, I love learning stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm learning stuff about how God created things all the time. Got back and, and looked at the Time Citizen this week. There's a little story about honeybees. Incredible stuff, isn't it? Like, did you read that? Just how, uh, like, how honeybees work? Um, incredible. Uh, there's things that God is at work doing all around the world in what He's created that are just incredible. We don't know. There's some stuff that's still a mystery to us, but God is the one who's making it all happen, right? And then verse 6 is kind of that encouragement, hey, you don't know how stuff is going to turn out, but you just keep working. Farmers, you get this probably more than anybody else, right? You do a lot of research. You get a lot of education. You've had maybe a lot of experience in farming, so you can predict and you can make the best decisions that you can possibly make, but in the end... You put seed in the ground, and it's God that causes it to grow. You don't harvest it unless God causes it to grow. And so the encouragement in verse 6, In the morning sow your seed, at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. Will this hybrid do better than this hybrid this year? I don't know. But just keep working, right? We don't know the future. That's what we see in the first six verses here in chapter 11. You know, I think, I don't know about you, for me, it's freeing to admit that I don't know everything. Like, that's good. It's good to just be honest with myself and with everybody else. There's a whole bunch of stuff I don't know, right? With the pastors that we were training, kind of an interesting thing, with the pastors that we were training in the last week, um, I talked to them about the fact that right now I'm preaching through Ecclesiastes. And there's a lot of times as I study through this book where if I come to something I don't know, I study it, but I even get to a Sunday morning where I've come to you as a church and I've just said, I studied this. I don't know what that means. I, I really just don't know. They're like, and I encourage them to do that. They're like, we can't do that. Like, what, do you, what do you mean you can't do that? Well, in our culture, somebody in authority like a pastor would never confess to anybody else under their authority that they don't know something. Um, if, if I said that, people would just leave and they'd go find a pastor who, even if he doesn't really know everything, would pretend like he does. Um, like, oh, well, that's not our culture, and I'm thankful that's not our culture, that, that I'm okay confessing to you. There's a whole lot of stuff I don't know. I'm a 36-year-old dude with limited life experience, and God has taught me some things. Other faithful people have taught me some things, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know, and that's just reality, and that's okay, right? There's a lot of stuff that I don't know, and there's a lot of things I don't know how it'll turn out. And the question we could ask ourselves is, will I be anxious or will I just keep going and find, find peace knowing that God is sovereign? There might be things in your life this week that are like, I'm not sure, and you're almost paralyzed with anxiety. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know how this big thing in my life, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Listen, I don't know either. And you know what? You might not ever know. But we worship a God who knows. And so you can find peace as you just go forward doing what He calls you to do. 
day by day. Right? All right. Um, next point. Next point is this. Enjoy your youth, but remember, okay? Enjoy your youth, but remember, that's really the theme I saw in these next verses. Verse 7 is just a general proverb. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. But then we get to verse 8, and really the same theme jumps out in verses 8, 9, and 10, but a little bit different each time. Big theme is enjoy youth, but remember. Verse 8, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, and all that comes is vanity. So enjoy youth. Enjoy every day that God gives you to live. Whether, whether you're living a long life or so far it's been a relatively short life, enjoy. Recognize that every day that you have is a gift from God, but remember that many of the days of our life here on earth, under the sun, after the fall, many of our days will be troublesome. Many will be the days of darkness. Right? So, so we live, knowing, like right now, maybe yes, you're experiencing great joy in your life. The reality of living life here under the sun after the fall, before the return of Jesus, is there's going to be many days of darkness. Remember that. Hear that. Verse 9. Enjoy youth, but remember that God will judge you. It says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, which is the only advice that some people give to young people, right? You're young, enjoy it and live it up, which sometimes translates to go and do stupid stuff because you're young. And when I was young, I did stupid stuff. And so you might need to just get it out of your system. So young person, go do stupid stuff, right? But that's not all that this verse says. This verse says, go out, go ahead, follow, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, enjoy your youth, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Sometimes that's something I think we fail to communicate to young people, that there are future consequences for present actions, right? That the choices that you are making now will yield consequences in the future, ultimately the judgment of God. That would be something good to communicate to young people. And if you're a young person here today, hear that. Enjoy being young. It's great. Talk to people that are getting old. They'll tell you, enjoy being young. But that does not mean enjoy doing whatever you want to do like you're never going to have to answer for it. Right? That the choices that you make as a young person you're going to be accountable for at some point. So a question to ask, would will you be ashamed at the things you spent your youth enjoying when you stand before the judgment of God? You might not as a young person be finding joy in the same things that most other young people are finding joy in, but might you instead be the kind of young person that finds great joy and rejoices in your youth because you know the one who created you, because you worship the God who made you, right? That you are spending your life knowing, loving, serving, and worshiping Jesus. And that gives you great joy. And that will give you an opportunity to stand before the judgment seat of God and not be ashamed. And then verse 10. Verse 10 says, Enjoy youth, 
but remember that all is vanity. It says, remove vexation from your heart, put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn, I mean, you're kind of thinking youth and the dawn of life are vanity. You're kind of thinking he's just going to be like, hey, being young is where it's at. That's Because all this stuff hasn't made him very happy throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Now you're kind of thinking, oh, so being young is where it's at. And then you get to verse 10. He's like, uh, you know what? That's vanity too, right? The dawn of life, that's, uh, that's vanity. Youth and the dawn, like, oh, I guess not that either. So my hope is not in being young, right? And if you're getting older, your hope is not in being young again, right? That's not going to make everything better. Sometimes we can look back with nostalgic kind of longing at earlier parts of our life, thinking, man, it was just awesome then, but we just forget about some of the stuff that we wanted to forget about, right? And I think the reality here, as we read this, is, is, is to help us remember that sometimes because we have this kind of rosy picture of what it is to be young, we forget that the young people living among us, and there's a number of them here in this church, that it is hard to be a young person in this world today. Right? That, that being young does not come without significant hardships. Big problems are not just for big people. There's little people that are experiencing big problems in this fallen world under the sun. Right? So I was just doing a little bit of reading this week and found that depression is the most common mental health disorder in the U.S. among not only adults but also teenagers. Teens are more likely than the general population to suffer from depression for at least a year at a time. Did you hear that's more likely than the rest of the adult population to suffer from depression for at least a year at a time? Teens who deal with depression are more likely to develop substance abuse problems, and untreated depression is the number one cause of suicide among teenagers. The answer to finding joy in life is not just to be young, because sometimes being young is really hard. That's the reality of life in this fallen world. Life under the sun is not all roses for you. So, here's where we've been so far. In chapter 11, we found out that we don't know the future. We can't know what's going to happen next, but we need to just keep on going anyway. And we've found that even though we should enjoy life while we're young, that doesn't mean that life while we're young is going to be easy. In fact, it's quite hard. Our sinful hearts will lead us astray. Um, and there are many challenges, and it often seems vain and meaningless, life does, even when we're young. Okay, so maybe the hope is in getting old. Well, not so much. Getting old is no fun, is the theme of verses 1 through 7 in chapter 12. Getting old is no fun. The answer to how do you find happiness in life is not like, oh, it's just right around the corner. I know, as I start to get older... I'll just enjoy life a whole lot more. Instead, the encouragement is in verse 1, this. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. You get that? So when you're young, you ought to remember your Creator in those days. This is a good word for those of you who are parents right now. For those of you who are volunteering in children's or youth ministry, it is extremely important in this fallen world that we help our children and young people to, to develop a firm foundation because the days that are coming 
ahead, it says in verse 1, that evil days are coming, and days are coming in which they will say, I find no pleasure in those days. And so, when they are young is the perfect time for us to help them set the kind of firm foundation upon which they'll be able to stand when those evil days come. Right? So, parents, youth workers, children's workers, I, I encourage you, press on. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. I know that. The work is hard. I know that. But we must press on so that in the days of, our, of their youth, our children will be remembering their Creator because the days that are coming are going to be challenging. Right? That's verse 1. And then verses 2 through 6 are really just a, a number of word pictures to help point out the reality that many of you are already knowing and experiencing, and that is getting old is no fun. Okay? That's really just a bunch of word pictures from verses 2 all through, all the way through verse 6. Ideas like, hey, you think it's going to get sunny after it rains, but after it's done raining, clouds come back out sometime. How about that? Right? Like that's what it feels like sometimes. Strong men are bent. Right? We recognize that as aging takes place, there are men who were once strong, maybe great athletes, able to do great physical manual labor, and now these are the same men who are unable to get out of their wheelchair. Right? That's the reality of aging in life under the sun. Sometimes you rise up at the sound of a bird. You used to be able to sleep through the night. Now it's like one bird chirps and all of a sudden you're awake. You can't even sleep well anymore. You get old and you get a little more vulnerable, right? And so you're afraid of things that maybe you weren't afraid of at one point. Afraid of what is high. Terrors are in the way, right? It's hard to get old. It feels lonely. You feel vulnerable. And you can get this sense that I think death might be right around the corner for me. My silver cord is about to be snapped and my golden bowl is about to be broken, Right? I get this sense that I might not be here all that much longer. Heard both Bob and Dewey and sharing their testimonies over the last couple of weeks, talking about times in which their body and medical professionals were both communicating to them, this could be it for you. Right? And some of you, it's more maybe not quite as dramatic as those things that they talked about, but it's just normal everyday things that you can get this sense, like my body is wearing out. My mind does not work the way that it used to work. And then eventually comes death. Verse 7, And dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. We make a lot of jokes about getting old. But getting old in this fallen world under the sun is hard and sometimes quite depressing. You once had a house full of noise and activity, and now your house seems very quiet, and sometimes you like it, but a lot of times you're lonely. You have things that you'd like to get done, but you recognize that your body is sore and tired and you're not going to be able to do them. You want some good rest, but a nagging pain just keeps eating away at you. You're not able to sleep. It's hard for adult children who watch their parents age. They watch their parents' minds slip away, wondering if next time I go visit, are they even going to recognize who I am? 
adult children who watch the dad who used to chase them around the yard now unable to get out of his bed unassisted. Adult children who watch the mom who so for many years lovingly and sacrificially cared for them is now totally weak and dependent on others to care for her. Getting old is no fun in many ways. I've heard people say that. I've seen that. I've witnessed that. We read about it in the book of Ecclesiastes. Like I've said throughout this series, I'm really grateful that this book is in the Bible. Aren't you? It's so honest because it's, it's sharing with us, here is what life is like after the fall in this sinful world under the sun. And the reality is sometimes it's just really hard. Sometimes we're, we're frustrated because we want to know more than we know. We want to feel better than we feel. Getting old is no fun. Ecclesiastes is right. Life is hard. Whether you're feeling young or getting old, this is the reality of life under the sun after the fall. But well, I've also said throughout this series that I'm glad that this book is in the Bible. I've also said that I'm glad that this isn't the only book in the Bible, right? And you're with me on that, I assume. I'm so glad Ecclesiastes is in the Bible, but I'm glad it's not the only book. Here's what I want to do to end this morning. The last point is this, how what came next affects what comes next. That's maybe a little confusing. Let me show you this picture that has been really helpful for me. Okay? Picture. There are four major events, uh, if you look at kind of redemption history, the story of the Bible, the story of human history, right? Four major events. The first is creation. The second is the fall. The third is redemption. That is Christ coming, dying, and rising again. And the fourth is restoration. That is when Christ returns and, and uh, sets up the new heavens and the new earth. Okay? So four major events. It's helpful for us to recognize that Ecclesiastes fits in a different spot that we, than we fit in. Right? That's really helpful for us to know. So after the fall, the fall is when Adam made a choice to sin. Right? And sin enters the world and everything that God originally created as very good is now broken. Right? Cursed in some way. And so the reality is we live in a world that has experienced the fall. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see some ups and downs. Uh, and here's where the book of Ecclesiastes is, right about in this period. Okay? The book of Ecclesiastes is written right about there. But you notice it's between number two and number three. The book of Ecclesiastes is written after the fall, but before Christ has come. Right? And so we who are living in a totally different period of history need to see things differently. We're not living there anymore. We are, see that little person thing there? Um, that's where we are. We're now between three and four. We're between the, rest, the, the redemption that comes in Christ and the restoration that is still yet to come. Right? So we're living in a totally different era than the writer of Ecclesiastes. And so it's helpful for us to see things through the lens of the cross. We're see there, and we're kind of looking back at the book of Ecclesiastes, that dot, but in order to see it correctly, we need to look through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what we're trying to do. So, really quickly then, let's look at these two verses in the book of Hebrews, right? So, uh, wait, let me go back. The New Testament are all books that are written between 3 and 4, the same era in which we're living, right? So we're living in that same era between Jesus' 
first coming and his second coming. That's when the New Testament books were written, and that's the era in which we're living. Does that make sense? So when we read the New Testament, it seems much more immediately applicable to us because it's written uh, from the same perspective in many ways. All right. Hebrews chapter 9. Go ahead and turn there in your Bible if you have your Bible with you. Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to look at two verses, but really actually kind of just one because the first one just confirms what we've seen in Ecclesiastes. The first verse, verse 27, says this, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Okay? That's reality. We've seen that in Ecclesiastes. It's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's a reality that we've seen in life, and we see it in the book of Ecclesiastes. But now, the book of Hebrews was written after Jesus came and lived and died and rose again from the dead. And that changes everything. So, verse 28 says this. Verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, right? that's what Jesus has come to do. The first time that Jesus came, we went back to that chart, redemption. What Jesus came to do is he came to bear the sins of many. Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many. That's our biggest problem. We've talked about that before, right? That our biggest problem is not that our body doesn't work the way it used to or I'm not happy all the time. Our biggest problem is that we are sinful people and God is a holy God. We're unrighteous. He's righteous. He's also just. That's a problem for us. Right? That's our biggest problem. Our sin. And so something needs to be done with our sin. And we, we can't just like try harder to do less of it and think that we're somehow going to be declared not guilty then. So what happened to our sin? That God, the one and only holy God, comes, sends His Son to bear our sins. That's what Jesus came to do, to bear our sins. And then it says, He will appear a second time. This is still yet to come. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. So some quick application questions for us this morning. Very simple. Do you trust Jesus? There is no other way for you to be saved from God's judgment. Jesus is going to come a second time. When He comes a second time, He will come to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Is that you? Are you eagerly waiting for Jesus' return? Are you ready for death and judgment? The reality is we're all getting old, and we all will face death. And after death, there will be judgment. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves and have confidence in answering is this. When you come before the throne of God, what will be your plea? Will you try to convince God, the holy, righteous God who created all things, will you try to convince Him that your sin is really not all that bad and that you've tried really pretty hard to be good and therefore He should allow you to be in His kingdom? Or do you recognize that your hope for salvation is not in your own works, but only in what Christ has done? The reality is that we will all age and face judgment. 
if your hope is not in Christ, I, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't, I know how to pastor and I know how to talk to people whose hope is in Christ. If your hope's not in Christ, I don't know. Like, yeah, getting old stinks, and then you're gonna die. That's not very hopeful. But I don't know what else to tell. That is reality. That that getting old stinks, and then you're gonna die. And after you die, you will face judgment. And you will be separated from God, the one who can give you joy forever. You will be separated from Him forever. Enduring instead eternal punishment that you deserve for your sin. That's not very hopeful. But if you are not one who trusts in Christ alone, if your faith is not in Jesus, that, that's all I can tell you honestly. I could make up lies that would make you feel better. But that's the only truth I can share with you honestly. But for those of us who have been saved, those of us who have heard the good news of Jesus, that He came to die for our sins, and that He rose that we might have new life. For those of us that are there, we gather together on Sunday mornings to remember that, to proclaim that, and to celebrate that. We have something to celebrate. We have victory over sin and death, not because we're really good, but because Jesus is really good and we have victory over sin and death in Him. We now have a reason and a way to live and we have something to look forward to. The return of the King who comes to make all things new. That's something worth celebrating and that's something worth telling other people about. If you're somebody who doesn't have that hope that you're looking at the reality of getting old and dying and facing judgment and you're not confident that you will stand in the judgment then I would encourage you to talk to me or talk to somebody. There's nothing more important that you could talk to somebody about. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond to God by singing a song while we give our offerings and then singing some more songs. That's an appropriate way to respond to God as He reveals Himself to us that we respond in song. And so let's begin uh, by praying. Father, I thank you that you are honest with us, that, that your word does not sugarcoat reality, that, that, you, that you are honest about the reality that we live in here under the sun after the fall is that aging will take place and it will not be fun and that death will come and that after that we will face judgment. Thank you for being honest with us about that. And God, I pray that you would be working in our hearts by your Spirit to give us hope, not in ourselves, not in some sort of medication, not in this treatment or that surgery, but that our hope would be ultimately in Christ, that we would be the people, like it says in Hebrews chapter 9, who are eagerly awaiting His coming. Help us to be those people, that we eagerly await the coming of Jesus, because that is where our hope is. I pray for those who are going through the process right now of getting old and feeling weary because of it. That there is loneliness, that there is pain, that there is a longing for things to be better than they are. I pray that you would help them to set their longing firmly on the return of Jesus. And God, as we take the rest of this worship service to worship and celebrate you for who you are and to call out in longing for you. 
pray that you would continue to be at work in our hearts and our minds, that we might respond to your word in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.